Hey podcast, Rich here, and I've got another student interview this week. It's from Adam from Sweden. He's been doing really well since he took full stack marketing funnels. He's been getting clients. He's been growing. He's been scaling. Uh, so we're going to hear from Adam today. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you haven't left a review, which I know you haven't, uh, go into iTunes, go to where it says my episodes, and you just quickly scroll all the way to the bottom. That's where it is. That's where you leave the review. You click five stars or whatever you feel. Leave a little comment about what you find uh, interesting about the Rich and Niche podcast. It would mean a lot to me if you would do that. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy today's episode. What is your view of like starting the journey? Like, what is how can you make it in the simplest way, like to move forward to make it fast and not not fast and easy? But I mean, I hear you. It's a it's a tough game, you know. Digital marketing, I think, because it lies on the highest level of business, meaning you know, there's sort of a uh, a sense of business building when you're doing digital marketing because you could be the one who's scaling the business from five figures to potentially mid six figures, maybe beyond. Digital marketing plays a big role in scale. And I think that when you've got scale, you've got a lot of potential, right? Because like, what's the big difference between like, you know, the mom and pop, you know, store on the side of your community road versus an Amazon, right? It's scale. And I think like that is what is separating businesses today. And I think that Amazon was a master of Google AdWords. That's how they built their business. And I think that they use digital marketing to grow. So What's complicated is that people are starting to enter a world they've never seen before. And that's why you get you know, worried and crisis, as you say. And then you get that Dunning-Kruger effect of you think you know a lot, so you go into it and then you realize you know nothing. And then you're worried. You're like, shit, like what actually works? And I was on that same path myself. Right. I was seeking what worked a long time ago. Right. I was on eBay in the late 90s, had a PayPal account when I was 16, selling all sorts of stuff on eBay, you know, learning that digital hustle. That's back, you know, almost 21 years ago now. Um, and I was still just searching, like, what are people doing and how do we make more money? And it and, and the reason you're doing that is because you'd rather do that than go for the traditional nine to five work life which has sort of declined in the recent years due to inflation and what you can ultimately make in some of these positions. And I think, you know, you're looking for something that's going to bring money quickly to get started because that will help you take action. You're like, oh, well, this is going to work. This is going to make money. And I think people don't know what that really is. What is the real elements that allow us to make money online. And I think like I've been trying to figure that out this whole time. And I do think I discovered that about three, four years ago. Like, oh, if I have these elements, I will be successful. And those aren't simple. Those aren't cheap necessarily. But I did discover them. And I think I've been using what I call the 12-point funnel audit. Like I use this terminology throughout my content, my courses. There are these 12 things that I'm looking for in every single, you know, business situation and I and if they're missing one of those, I highly, highly recommend they do that before anything else. And now we could go into those 12 things, but that in itself would become this kind of long-winded answer. And what I'll say is that there is basically what's called a best practices user experience, meaning this is what people accept when they want to spy things online. There's a different feeling than when they go to the store versus when they go to a website. And I think like that's what you want to figure out ultimately. But the thing is that 
may change over time, but in my observation, it hasn't changed that much. I think you're asking a really difficult question because I actually have another answer and that like what I did to start out wasn't necessarily what I'm saying. What I did was like some classical business structuring, you know, I set up an office in my house. I committed an office area. Like, this is where I do this work. Then I wrote out, what is my objective? Then I wrote out like my vision of my organization in the future. And it's like, what, where am I today? And where do I want to be? Then I started, you know, filling out my systems and I decided who I wanted to target and what I'm capable of. Started setting up things like Calendly, Zoom, a CRM, getting organized, right? I think that when I transitioned from like small project gig work into like a bona fide professional marketing service provider, like those elements needed to be there. And I think whether those were a high impact or not, that's what I did. And I don't really want to say anything than what I truly did. And then I just called people. I, and I called people that knew me already or they'd done a project with me. And I said, listen, I'd like to be your marketer and I'd like to do things for you that will help you in marketing because I know you're the only one running your business right now because solopreneur businesses are very common these days. Um, and those have been exploding alongside the internet and that's what's leading to this like digital marketing gold rush. So I think like there's a combination of two things of if you want to get serious and you want to know what to do when you start out, it's to start acting serious and to start becoming professional and I think that that needs to coincide with, I have a fundamental understanding of how to help people make more money. And one thing I tweeted the other day, and I think it's very important, is many people, they just start a service. And I've done this too. And it's like, I'm doing this service now. I make Instagram posts, or I write copy, or I make videos. And they don't really know what that's going to do. And then when the next client comes along, the client says, well, what have you done? And it's like, well, I made some videos. And it's like, well, what did that do? And it's like, well, it kind of did this and that. That's kind of the wrong approach. The, the actual approach should be this. You say to yourself, I'd like to be in the business of helping people double their sales. Double it. That's it. I want to help people 2X their sales. I want to help you grow 100% within... 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and that's it. And then what you do is you pick a project that you can figure out if you can execute to double their sales. And then you say, what did it take to double the sales? So instead of assuming you'll get results, it's about working towards results, then looking at the totality of what you accomplished along that journey. And that is your new service. And you repeat that for the next person because you proved you can get it. And then from that day on, you're saying, hi, my name is Adam and I help people double their sales online. And here is exactly what I did for this person. Versus here's Karen and she's all like, hey, I can you know make your Instagram pop in with a great style and you're gonna have a cool brand. It's like, but what will that get me? Because that's what the business owner wants. This was a very long answer. It's a very large question. That's interesting. Uh, so the MVP, like that—that's that's the one of the most uh, biggest uh, takeaways I had of the first uh, of your course. The MVP of like getting stuff going and getting. Right. Can you expand on that? Like, yeah, sure. So let's assume like you don't take my case study approach and you're just like, I need to get started. I've been doing websites for three years. I've been writing copy for 18 months. I started making Facebook ads a year ago. Like, you're, you're ready. Great. Here's what you need. 
a website that clearly says what you do. And so if you can't take the case study approach, your website still needs to say like, I help businesses grow because I do this for them. And then you can show them, look, I help this business grow here. And then I help this business grow there. You still need this website experience where people can see if you're a professional. And when we say MVP, let's make sure people know what that means. That means minimally viable product. Now, you got to be careful because, you know, MVP is typically used in startup culture where you're creating something that's never been done before. And so you don't even know if it's going to work. But if you're going into digital marketing, freelancing or agency life, you know, that is kind of a proven model. It does work. And so what you're really asking is what is the first set of items I need before I can call myself a professional? I think that's kind of what you're saying, because if you can do the work, there are people out there who will need your services. Um, And I think we have to assume you can do the work. We can't really have these convos if you haven't even touched this stuff, right? And so um, I think the website and some social presence, you don't have to have massive account, but you have to show that you're a professional because it's very, very common now that people will look you up on Instagram. They'll try to search you just to see what you're about. And people can gather so, so, so much. Even if you just have 12, 15 posts, you can say what you need to share what you do. And I think like it's always scary because digital marketing is so close to social media, it encapsulates social media. So people are like, well, how come you're a digital marketer and you don't have a million followers? It's like, well, that's a complex answer. But the fact is, is we can't have everyone having a million followers. That would kind of not work. And also like, there can't always be people in front of the camera. There are sometimes people behind it that support those people. So, you know, people shouldn't be asking that question. Um, so I think it's website, a little social presence. And if you have one case study, that's why I always recommend that as soon as you finish my course, you need to ask a friend or family if you can help them build out their funnel. And I want to be clear when I say funnel, all I really mean is like a, a user experience that entails like upfront value. You give away something for free to see if people are interested. The right person bites. You give them an email experience and then they're made an offer at some point, whether that's you call them, whether that's another web page. Um, getting that experience from your friend or family is going to help you with that first case study because they're going to be a smaller project. Everyone has one friend or one family member who has an Etsy shop, who's on Shopify, who has an online service, and you should be helping them and say, listen, I will help you for free because you're my friend and my family. Listen, I'm trying to become a consultant or a marketer. I need case studies. I'll work pretty hard for you. I'll do six hours a week and I'll show you some results. You give me a a testimonial at the end. That's it. Three month, six month contract. That's it. Um, That's how I approach it. Website, an Instagram account to show you're a real person and then hustling with your friends and family until you have that first case study. Then you can call yourself like, hey, I'm in the game. I'm ready to do this. And if you absolutely don't have friends or family, then you just make up your own projects for yourself. I just, I just started blogs, like start niche blogs. That trains you and helps you prove whether you understand what you're doing or not. Because if you can't get traffic to a niche blog, it means you don't understand SEO. Well, that's really the end of it. It means you don't understand SEO. And SEO is not some fancy tactic in 2020. SEO is sort of the, the blood of digital marketing. I mean, everything 
is search optimizable these days. Everything should be done with search in mind. It's not some extra service you need to tack on necessarily. It, it is, but it's also within everything you do. Like if you're going to make that web page and you have an opportunity to write a title and you will write that title, why would you not write that title knowing the client's keyword and make sure it's there. It doesn't take any extra effort. And so SEO itself has become part of best practice. Okay, do you see where I'm going with all of this now? I mean, it's, this is an endless discussion of pathways and journeys. Uh, I, and I think it's, each person has to listen to what I say and try and apply it in their own form because it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all. You mentioned the other day, I think it was on Twitter, you, you wrote like, you could do a WordPress site for like eight hundred dollars. Right. It's it's mind boggling to me. Like you could do so many things, like just to get started. Like if yeah. you if you needed to get that momentum, that push, you could do like a WordPress website for eight hundred dollars, or or blog posts, or mm-hmm. knowing you're probably not gonna make that direct result, but just getting by in the beginning. Right. That, cause that was when I started, I would, I, I would normally, if someone wants that, I say, Hey, I don't really do that anymore. You know, I'm getting to the place now where it's like, Hey, it's a minimum of five, even 10,000 just to get started. Because when you get good, you lengthen your process and make it more complex. Let me, let me explain this one. It's very important. A lot of people don't realize this. It's great to make an $800 webpage, but there's a reason it's only 800 because it only takes a few steps. But if I'm going to help you reposition your brand, optimize your website, reconfigure your social media, create a content plan, execute on that plan, track that plan, and then repurpose all that content, that is a six to 12 month process that very few people in the world can do. And that's what takes the price way up because you have a process that no one else really knows and can do through your experience. You're like, I know what works, right? And so what I'm teaching is what works for me. So that's why people get a lot of value from me because I'm the person who unlocks the components that require for success. I don't give you success. You've got to go do it. But I know I'm removing a lot of mystery for people. Um, so does that, does that, do you understand like why the digital marketer would ultimately create a more complex process and then how that helps you become more valuable to people because there are less people able to do it and then that's more exciting to the client because I had a client the other day who spent $5,000 on consulting and he asked me, I was like, oh yeah, you know, after this, we'll probably do like a six-month thing. He's like, well, what happens after six months? You're going to leave me on my own? Like he was already thinking, I need this all the time forever because this is going to bring me value in my business. Like, I need someone to be supporting me in this area. So this law firm, they've never gone into marketing. They don't think about marketing. They use a very mainstream marketing agency who does all the other law firms. They get a very cookie cutter experience. This is where the freelance marketer come in and save the day and be like, oh, they didn't even tell you you should try YouTube ads or they didn't even tell you like you're not optimizing this. They didn't even tell you, like, that's what's happening right now all across the world is a recalibration for so many businesses, whether you're small or big. It's like, it's time to take a look at digital. Who are we going to call the digital marketing consultant, right? People need more consultants. A lot of people don't understand what consulting really is. And it's a higher level game. It's not for like mom and pop. It's like, why would we waste our time and energy figuring this out when we can just get the best answer in days 
you know, and that's what it is. So in this field of, of marketing, it's like results is the key, like producing r- results. Well, that's going to be the catalyst to you being really successful. If you just like to make blog posts, you can make a very handsome $50,000 a year just editing and making pictures with blog posts, right? Like my first clients, they would pay me six to, $600 to $800. And all I would do for them I would help them edit their blog post. I would put it to WordPress and I would send out a MailChimp email. And that's low-level marketing, right? Because what are those people doing? They're building their reputation and brand in their niche community. They don't have money for Facebook ads. That's not what they're... They're not trying to go global, right? They're like a trainer or some sort of coach or expert. Um, so yes, results are critical, but they're, but there's so many people who actually don't get them and can still make a lot of money. So I don't want to scare people like you can because results of course if you're the one who is getting the results you're going to make millions i hope to one day but like if you get a job for someone as the marketing coordinator like your ceo he may fire you if you do a bad job but if you just do an average job you still get paid there's tons of work in that area where it's like hey we know we need to put out two posts a day and we need someone to do that like we don't care if you get sales because digital media and marketing has become now a uh, sort of a floor you can't go below like you can't be a successful fortune 500 with empty social media anymore well who's going to do all that work there isn't 500 great digital agencies and so there is so much work out there because what about the Fortune 5000? Like, that's just the 500. Forget about them. See where I'm going with this? I, I feel like I can take all your questions forever. That's the problem with this stuff is like, once we unpack digital marketing, we're also unpacking branding and business building. And then we're unpacking culture because that's happening right now. We're shifting the cultural norms around business. And that's unlocking this massive like wave of opportunity for people like myself, who were just like a video editor or like, you know, a website maker five years ago. We are the kings right now because we're the ones observing data at a high level and can then give that answer to other people. It's like, hey, it's red button, not blue button. Hey, it's it's big button bold headline, not small headline. Like we know what kind of works. So yes, results are great, but the marketer is never the sole results provider. Why? Because we don't create the product and we don't deliver the service and we don't necessarily deliver. So marketing is before product. And so what if the product is shitty and people return it? Whose fault is that? You know, and I think that I do want to preach results, but I also want people to know like, hey, there's so much work available and don't be scared to put your name out there because what you're doing may actually be non-quantifiable. Like for instance, if you're making blog posts for someone that don't actually sell anything, like what is the value of that? The value of that is that other people come to that person's website and be like, wow, look at all these blog posts. There's a feeling attached with a content library. And so most people don't know the value of that. So is there results? Well, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? It's in the perception of the business owner. So results are very subjective. What is results? So that was, I think that was the thing I was alluding to with with these questions, like the opportunities feel so, like if I'd known when I started that I could just like make videos for companies, just edit them, like make 10 videos and I know how to make them 
like 10 times faster than right. the right. ordinary old uh, agency or whatever. So you have that and you have WordPress blogging. You could, I mean, just to get started right now, to quit your job and to get paid tomorrow, right. to just like offer blog posts to like 50 companies around your area. Absolutely. Cold outreach when thoughtful and done right can work. Most people just spam. If you write a thoughtful email where you go to like, let's imagine there's a company and they sell bikes, okay? And they're local to you and they, they're made in, in the town. And it's like, everyone loves this bike company because they provide the local quality bike, right? It's like, hey, dear bike shop, you know, I went to your YouTube. There wasn't really anything there, you know? And I, I think there's a huge opportunity for you to promote yourself or, you know, this is an example. And then you can open with something like, hey, I've looked into what you're doing and I just see so much opportunity for you. Would you like to discuss with me how I can help you by making videos or how I can help with editing your blog posts or how I can make Facebook ads? I think that is, most people are underestimating that that does work, that can work. Um, so you're right. You're absolutely right. There's opportunity, but it is also emerging more than ever, especially through the Gary Vee era, because he was the first to sell you that more content is better. He was the first case study to say, more content is better. Before it was like, oh, it's too much. We're annoying them. Like That's not the case anymore because of the algorithmic changes due to the culture of social media. We got so many people on social media. The algorithm now needs to filter the poor quality stuff. And so you only end up getting what you like. And so there is no harm in putting out more because people get what they like. If they like you, they will get more and they will actually be happier. If they haven't been engaging with you, no problem. Your extra posts aren't going to them anymore. No big deal. That, that's, uh, that, that's really something also like uh, you, you talk about it all the time also. Like when you make videos, when you make content, st stuff happens. It does. I mean, it's, some, something it magical happens. It does. It opens up so many conversations. Every brand out there who needs to promote themselves is looking at the current content creators to how can they connect. And so a lot of it's just affiliate programs like, you know, Canva, right? Yeah. yeah. They just emailed me the other day and say, hey, we really like your channel. Will you become an affiliate for us? And so it's like a private access program, but it's because they like my videos, which I've never even mentioned Canva before, but they see an audience that is ripe because they know I use Canva. I am a pro member. I am an ideal customer. So, so would my audience be, right? And I think that that would only happen through content. And I had to do zero canvassing to reach out for that. And now, you know, I'm not going to sell Canva hard now, but I mean, I'll add a link when it's relevant. And that's just a brand new income stream. It's just as if I bought, you know, 10 shares of Coca-Cola and now I've got a little affiliate trickling dividend coming in. And uh, that's interesting. And you're right. Content is what starts that. Okay, so uh, maybe this is a good time to segue into the future of remote work because we talked about all the opportunities and like the opportunities arising as, at the same time as people are uh, learning to work remotely. Right. So those two <laughs> worlds will collide. And as I think, what, what's your... Um, thought of, of the of the future of this how common will it be with people working remotely with stuff like this mm -hmm. great question well you know i'm a leader in the remote work conversation um 
I've been preaching remote work far earlier than 2020 because I experienced it early on. And after I read Four Hour Work Week in 2004, I only saw the world that way. I only saw the world through outsourcing. And now, although I never really heavily used outsourcing, the same things applied. It was essentially like the internet has come to alleviate many of our pains. And one of that pain is doing work you don't really like because the outsourceable VA became a thing. Uh, I, I may have told this story before, but I planned my wedding with the VA. Like I told my VA, hey, go find me the best limo company. You know, find me the best restaurants for this. Get me this. And it, it saves you so much time and research. Who wants to do like low-level research, right? So that mentality of like, first of all, the internet's here. How are you going to use it, right? I think it's like, you know, first you got to clear away all the garbage, all the distractions. You eliminate, you automate, you liberate. You know, this was like, the Tim Ferriss model. And it was hard for me to apply it at first. I was a bit younger, but it never went away for me. And it's like, as soon as I realized like the laptop lifestyle was valid, as soon as you could travel for... Remember, in the early 2000s, like if you went to Mexico, there was no guarantee of good Wi-Fi. If you went to you know some part of Russia, there was no guarantee of good Wi-Fi. And so this digital nomad thing wasn't real yet. It was just emerging. And I think like I found it so alluring. Like I was watching it so close. Like who's going to become a digital nomad? That's what I was asking myself every day. Because I was like, well, it's certainly not going to be someone who has a job. It can't be. So that's out of the question. So I never thought about getting a job anymore. It's like, well, is it going to be a drop shipper? I thought it was drop shipping too, like many others. And I looked into that world and I thought it was affiliate marketing like many others. It wasn't any of that. None of that made enough money or was strong enough. It was consulting that I saw was going to be key. I read The Million Dollar Consultant and decided to start formulating my life as a consultant. And you know that was like, oh, well, if I'm going to be a consultant, I can just have all my conversations online. And although it didn't happen at first, like three years ago, I had some clients in the city I was living and... I just said to them, like, listen, we're not going to meet anymore. Like, we don't need to meet. Nothing happened from that. That wasn't bad at all. And I think that I made a conscious effort about three years ago. Like, I'm no longer going to take a single job that forbids me from moving. That is not part of my plan. And so that conscious effort was there. And ever since then, I've just been talking about that, how possible this is. Because when you commit to that idea you will make it come true versus, eh, I can take this job of, even though I can't leave my city right now, it pays well, it's okay. Like you got to say no to that actually. How does that all sound? It, it rings a bell. That was how I got into it right now. I, I was, I was the, the job security wasn't there anymore. It, it, it promised right. to be there, but it wasn't. Right. And it was like, exactly. okay, I'm doing this. That's part of that as well, that the job security was becoming faulty. You heard many times since 2001, 2008, layoffs, huge layoffs, automation, machines, outsourcing. Like that was a very common narrative, especially for the West. I'm interested to know that it's also in Sweden. Um, so yeah, I think that was a big part for me too. It's like, why would I take that risk? And Tim Ferriss really helped you see like the bigger risk may not be what you think it really is. And I think that's very important for many people to kind of step back and be like, what is the big risk here? Like... You know, and that's that's a 
good key thing. Now, you also asked, will it grow? It's going to be the only thing. The whole world will live in a digital realm, it seems. I'm not necessarily rooting for that. I'm a high believer of natural law and natural ideas. I, I think it's going to be hugely detrimental to the society as a whole to go into a complete digital realm. But I just think, you know, with what's going on right now, you know, it's hard not to believe that remote work doesn't become the norm. And so I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I put a substantial amount of money, far more than I've ever put into the market recently, primarily on work from home stocks, such as eBay, Upwork, Slack, Slack, which has not been performing that well, but I do think it has a chance. Earnings are coming up. Uh, What else do we got in there? Amazon, I don't own a lot of it, but I think it is still a big winner right now. Hopefully it will split. That will create this you know, mega movement like we've seen with Apple. Apple, I think people don't understand, is also work from home essentially because they're providing the devices. Um, oh, Peloton, the biking, they're, they're really popping off for me recently. Wayfair, people are going to be ordering their furniture online now. So yeah, everything is going digital. Everything is going remote. And that really speaks to the opportunities I mentioned earlier. We are the ones facilitating these trans transitions. What will this mean for us as digital marketers that you, you mentioned it somewhere that like we have this uh, we have this head start right. like what would what would this mean to us if we it'll mean that we'll be better positioned as professionals as a whole because we've been using zoom longer we've been using slack longer like we've already been using these tools so that will help us um, we're gonna get a lot more work but I want to also say this. Like now, it's actually the best time to get a job. And that's counter to what we just said. But if that job is remote, everything changes. If your job is remote, you can still have the lifestyle I'm having. You just have a one committed client. Now, is it still as good as client work or is that potential? Maybe not. But let's not pretend like client work is such an amazing, amazing feeling thing. It's hard. You're, you're living up to someone's expectations. Just imagine how you felt about your parents and your project science fair work or whatever. Like someone's expecting results from you. And so it's not that easy. When you're employed, like there's kind of this understanding, like, well, do your best. We'll keep paying you. And like, we'll discuss as we go. You're not sort of this isolated responsibility uh, holder. And so there is a slight difference. So I like more than ever people to get a job as long as it's remote. What do you think about that? I think it would be a more of an... Uh negotiation uh point now Absolutely. that you could like people have tried working from home right and know it works the results are still there obviously right. mm-hmm. uh so i think people will use it to, to to leverage that yeah and i hope it helps people be happier because the fact is you don't need eight hours a day to get a lot of work done in the mid to professional realms now if you're Unfortunately, sort of, you know, working in the Amazon warehouse, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. You'll be pushed to the max. And that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about people skilling up, investing in themselves, not accepting just a warehouse job and being like, I can understand this stuff. I can learn digital marketing. I can become a communicator. There has to be that self-belief coming through. But then, yes, taking advantage of that confidence convincing people to let you work remotely. And I don't think it's going to be that hard. I just think that, you know, if people are that productive because they're happier, like the salaries will maintain and 
look, business owners, they need to get something from their employees. And I think each person is, is kind of showing how they look at that, right? Like we've got humans in this world who will go above and beyond. They'll stay late. And then we've got people who will do the absolute minimum, who are learning how to waste time as a professional skill. Like we've taught people how to waste time because we've created this arbitrary clock in which you must use to find your productive hours. And I don't think that's what makes productive people like eight straight hours. Like that's not a good idea. So it should open up a lot of value in the marketplace, we could say. Let's, um, let's move into uh, a topic where, where like, if, if you're into learning digital marketing and if you're into building your business and wherever you are in your journey, it's easy to, when you consume a lot of content also, like to think that you're, um, that you're, that you're not that way ahead. Like maybe it's the imposter syndrome kind of thing. But like how valuable would you say, like even if you're just starting out and know a little bit more or like that, how valuable is a digital marketer? It's like uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a contrast to where most businesses are with their digital presence. It's like if you learn, if you learn a few things like, um, a, a lead magnet or something like that. If you learn to perform that, it's such a huge leap, I would think, from my perspective, for that business. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to take it and kind of narrow this in. Is like, what I've taught my students is the underlying psychology of sales. There's subconscious thing happening when people buy things, right? And I think if you can understand that, you have like the golden ticket to work with anyone because the psychology doesn't change whether you're selling a boat or you're selling, you know, a toy to a child through the parents' wallet or you're selling, you know, a television set or a video game computer, you know, these things like it doesn't really matter. The person is going through the same psychological experience and if you can understand that process and show businesses how to apply that to their users' experience that is really where you can bring tremendous value because what you're essentially doing is having a greater empathy for your customer and understanding them a little bit better. That's what comes alive here. And that's why businesses fail. They truly don't understand what's in the market, what is the need, who is providing what's the differentiating factors. Um, So yes, they're incredibly valuable. And I think it is common to think you're far behind because by the nature of Instagram and YouTube, you are by nature watching people typically more popular than you. And there's a lot of them out there. But that is not digital marketing. And not every YouTuber could provide a digital marketing service to a client. Don't forget, it's not the digital marketing strategy that is the hardest part about all this. It's the act of providing it in a professional manner in which your client perceives a greater value than the fee they paid you, right? You don't have to be some superstar genius that understands every algorithm. You can simply be the one saying like, you should be making videos for YouTube and these are the 10 videos I think would do really well for you. 
that may be a small consultation, but that's ultimately what it is as simply is. But if I come to the presentation with a nice deck and I show them what the competitors have done, and then I show them how they should differentiate themselves, and then I hand them a process that they can do internally, I think they'll find that quite valuable. And I think that's what's going on. And I think people are going to overestimate how much strategy you need. And I think they're underestimating how much professionalism and presentation there is um, required when you face clients. And I don't mean to throw shade. I'm in a different place than you. But even as I come to this call, I've provided the full professional experience I can at all times. Because remember earlier in the call, I said, I want to be known as a consultant. I need people to perceive me in a certain way. I need to magnetize them. So this is part of that strategy. And I highly recommend all my digital marketers out there to invest, start investing in their workstation, in their light, in their microphone, and in their knowledge of producing quality video in a live format. Because as we also talked about earlier, it'll only be this. I tweeted the other day that I had 620 Zoom calls in the last year. So that needs to be a place where you invest in the highest quality presentation at all times. Everything in life is a presentation, Adam, everything. And so as soon as you think about it like that, you can become even better as a marketer. Yeah, so, so, so the thing about uh, uh, the content, uh, to, to elaborate a little bit, is uh, um, it's, uh, it's easy to think like if, if you go into the weeds a lot, like if you focus on one uh, or, or a lot of uh, skills and they, they go so deep, you might think that you know less than you do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can still be an expert being a few chapters ahead. That is the Dunning-Kruger effect, is that people overestimate their knowledge and then they underestimate it as they actually become more experienced because you realize how much is out there. And that's very common. Um, And there's no real answer to it, except that you can just ask other people, like, do you think I'm ready? You know, and they'll tell you, right? It's, you're never going to know when the time is right, that you're the expert. And I think that I'm trying to take the approach that like, I'm not the expert. I am someone who is willing to show what I'm learning to the people who are one to three years behind me so they can catch up to me. I'm not trying to act like I'm beyond anyone or that, I'm, I, that I want to be beyond them. And that's what's powerful about my style is I think it's inclusive. And I think there needs to be more strategies at least for like experts and consultants that, yeah, you don't have to think about like, oh, I could never do a Microsoft digital marketing console. Yeah, I wouldn't try either. I don't want to. Why would you want that pressure either? What about all these other micro influencers who you, if they think you're the expert, trust me, because they don't know anything. It's all about that perceived, you know, understanding of what I know versus what you know. And it is so, so common that people are like, I know nothing. I don't know anything, Rich. And that's great. You can help them, but also realize, like, let's not lie. These are also the same people who pay less because they don't see the value. They're unconsciously unconscious about the power of digital marketing. And so they don't even know what it's worth. And so it's hard to charge them a lot. Whereas there's a law firm out there who they're spending 50K on their marketing and they don't really feel like the results are coming. 
they really are hungry for a new pair of eyes and they're willing to pay a lot for someone who's been around the block and can be like, yes, you're getting overcharged or no, this is kind of reality and maybe you've made the mistake. Like that's, that's valuable to someone who's already running a $10 million business. And, and I think that digital marketers have to be prepared to raise their price every single quarter and roll with it and they'll see where they get to. I was just having a challenge selling a 2K service two years ago. And now the other day I signed a deal for 60,000. Like that's how it works. Like you, you grow into it, you gain more experience, you become more comfortable with where you're at, but you can never go into this endless wondering, like, am I good enough? And that's why I use the mantra, I accept myself because I'm doing the best I can. If I'm not the best, it's going to be okay. But I have to accept where I am and I can't keep self-hating and self-critiquing forever. I must just go with it and it will all play out. The right things will happen. And if you need more work, if you need more experience, you'll figure that out too. Hey, what's up guys? Rich here. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We are going to be sending it out to all the major platforms. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter at Rich and Niche. Go to our website, richandniche.com for our courses, my book, all sorts of powerful resources. And once again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast.